does God tell him? He, he tells Moses the type of instrument to use, doesn't He? He tells them the number of instruments to use, doesn't He? And He tells them the purpose for those instruments. And he goes on in verse 10 where He does include that and expand that a little bit more for their feasts, their festivals, and their worship celebrations. He says in verse 10, "...also in the day of your gladness and in your appointed feast, and on the first days of your months..." You shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. And they shall be as a reminder of you before your God. I am the Lord your God. God specified to Moses the instruments and the occasion of their use. God, when it comes to music, He has always regulated it. He has always regulated it. Turning to the book of 2 Chronicles. I know we sometimes can lose 2 Chronicles in our Bibles. It just kind of gets past a lot of times. But in 2 Chronicles, you have Hezekiah who is restoring worship in Israel and Judah. And we have here in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, and in verse 25, as Hezekiah is going about it, as he is organizing everything about the reforms that are taking place, it says in verse 25 in 2 Chronicles, the 29th chapter, He then stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with harps, and with lyres, according to the command of David and of Gad the king's seer and of Nathan the prophet, for the command was from the Lord through his prophets. Notice that last statement there. The command was from the Lord, wasn't it? And who is authorized to use these instruments? Not just everyone, right? It's the Levites. And it's at the temple. I think sometimes we have this misconception about the Old Testament that they just got to use instruments anytime they wanted to. But what we have seen is that their instruments were limited and restricted to temple or tabernacle service. And it's the Levites who are placed in charge by the Lord's command, he says. It says in verse 26, the Levites stood with the musical instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah gave the order to offer the burnt offering on the altar when the burnt offering began, the song to the Lord also began with the trumpets accompanied by the instruments of David, King of Israel. Instrumental music was not an, inven an invention of David. It was according to the command of the Lord. It was not an invention of Hezekiah. It was a command from the Lord and both of them wanted to do what the Lord said. And I submit to you that is why we should sing. Because we want to do what the Lord has said. We don't want to go beyond it. We don't want to fall short of it. We want to do what God has said. David and Hezekiah were both submitting to and recognizing God's authority. And I think what ends up becoming a very powerful argument or point that should be considered is that if God wanted us to use instruments now under the New Covenant, then He would have said to. 
You want to know why? Because He did under the Old Covenant. And so the lack of a command in the New Testament is deafening. If God wants us to use instruments in worship, He would have told us because He has told His people in times past. With Moses and with David, God authorized and commanded instruments of music to be used on occasion when Israel worshipped. But under the New Testament, there is no command. Now someone might say, well, okay, Sean, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. But that's not terribly convincing. Because under the old law, well, yeah, we're under the new covenant, but only the sacrifices have been done away. And so we can still keep some of the ceremonial aspects of the law. That's not what Paul said in Galatians. He said if you keep one aspect of the law, if you keep circumcision, that's, not, that's a ceremonial aspect, isn't it? If you keep that, then you're obligated to keep the whole law. But then notice in 2 Chronicles, who is obligated and who is commanded to use instruments? It's the Levites. Who are the Levites? They're the ones who administer the sacrifices. Right? They're the ones who administer the sacrifices in the temple worship. And so if someone would say, well, you know, Sean... Only those sacrificial elements of the law and the sacrificial aspects of the law have been done away. But we can keep instruments and music. That doesn't work because the two go together. The sacrificial element of the law, the Levites, and the use of the instruments, they were bundled up in the same group. <laughs> you can't have one without the other. And as the Hebrew writer said, we are under a new law because there has been change, a change in the priesthood. And yes, they did use instruments of music in the Old Testament, but that does not authorize their use or give us permission to use them today under the new covenant. Another argument that is sometimes made is found in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, with one of the Greek terms that is used there. In Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 19, when Paul says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. That phrase in the English, making melody, it comes from one Greek word, the Greek word solo. It means to pluck or to twang. And so what some people will argue is that, well, Ephesians chapter 5.19 is actually commanding or at least authorizing the use of instruments in worship. That you should to, to pluck or to twang. That's how you make melody. But if we would... Consider, and that's certainly what the word means, but you have to also consider how that word is used. In some of the Greek dictionaries, and you can take many of them, 
And they define the word solo, to twitch, twang, then this is coming from vines, to play a stringed instrument with the fingers. And hence, in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, he says, to sing with a harp, sing psalms. But then notice what he says, vines does. In the New Testament, to sing a hymn, sing praise. He doesn't have anything about instruments, does he there? And you think, well, that doesn't prove anything, Sean. Mounts in his dictionary on in how he defines solo, he says it means to sing, period. In BDAG, a Greek dictionary that's about that thick, Well, he says the original meaning of solo was plucked or to play a stringed instrument. He says that persisted at least to the time of Lucian. In the Septuagint, solo frequently means sing, whether to the accompaniment of an instrument or not, as is usually the case. This focus on singing continued until solo in Greek means sing exclusively. He also goes on, he says, although the New Testament does not voice opposition to instrumental music, in view of Christian resistance to mystery cults, as well as Pharisaic aversion to musical instruments in worship, it is likely that some such sense as make melody is best understood in this Ephesians passage. And so he's basically saying he doesn't agree with us, Right? That's kind of what he's saying there. He's like, there's a bunch of Pharisaic people who think it's wrong to use instruments. But then notice what he goes on to say. He says, those who favor play, uh, to be included in this idea of solo, he says, they may be relying too much on the earliest meaning of solo. What he's saying is that by the time the Apostle Paul was using the word solo here in Ephesians chapter 5.19, is that it meant to sing exclusively. It did not include playing an instrument. Thayer in his dictionary, as he defines the word solo, he says to touch or strike the chord, to twang the strings of a musical instrument so that they gently vibrate. And absolutely, to play on a stringed instrument, to play the harp. Then he goes on uh, at the end here, he says, so he's saying it's to use an instrument, but then notice at the very end, the last couple of lines here, he says, in the New Testament, to sing a hymn, to celebrate the praises of God in song. All of these... And many of these are not members of the Lord's church. I don't think any of them are members of the Lord's church. They don't have any reason to really agree with anything that we might be saying or teaching about this. But all of them, at least in their academic honesty, they're at least saying in the New Testament, the word solo, it doesn't mean to play an instrument. It means to sing. To sing alone or to sing exclusively. The reason that we sing is because we want to worship God the way that He has told us to. I have a book in my office. Actually, it's right here. It's called Old Light on New Worship. And it's a great little book that details some history on 
use of instruments in throughout church history, broadly speaking. And this is not written by a member of the Church of Christ. In fact, it would probably surprise you that this is written by John Price. He's a graduate of Trinity Ministerial Academy. He is currently the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Rochester, New York. He's a Calvinist. Here's what he says on page 17. There is no record in Scripture of a musical instrument ever being used in public worship without an explicit divine command. We will then establish the following three basic theological principles of worship. One, the Old Testament temple worship in all of its outward ceremonies and rituals has been abolished. Two, we must look to Christ and His apostles alone for the worship of the church. And three, with no command, example, or any indication whatsoever from the Lord Jesus that He desires musical instruments in His church, we have no warrant for their use. He goes on several pages later, we are faced with two questions. Are musical instruments to be used in the New Testament church? If so, what specific instruments are to be used? Remember, God has specified instruments to be used. He specified when they were to be used, the number that they were to be used. He's saying what instruments are specified. He goes on in answering these questions, we must look to Christ and His apostles in the New Testament alone. Here we find complete silence in regard to musical instruments in worship. The New Testament gives no command for musical instrumentation in the worship of the church. Neither do we find even a single example of instruments ever being used in any of the churches. He says there is not a word mentioned concerning musical instruments being used in any of the New Testament churches. The regulative principle of worship, and that what he means by that is that God regulates worship. That God regulates our music in worship. The regulative principle of worship remains. And what God has not commanded in the New Testament, we have no authority to use. He has not commanded the use of any musical instruments as He did in the days of Moses and David. Therefore, we have no authority to bring them into the worship of the church. The complete silence of the New Testament on musical instruments is a most compelling argument that they are not to exist in the church. Only singing is commanded. Amen. He wants to worship God in the way that God has said. That should be every Christian's attitude. The reason that we sing is because we want to worship God in the way that He has said. And our fourth and final reason this morning for why we sing is we want to speak and sing without mechanical instruments because we have been told to sing. We've been told to sing. And that is an expression of a heart that wants to do what God says, as we made in our last point. 
And as we sing songs that praise God and hymns that remind us with godly instruction and admonishments to be faithful to our Lord, when we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, here's the twist. We do have an instrument, don't we? The instrument is truly the heart. The heart, the mind, that is the instrument that is praising and glorifying God, that is making the decision. We submit to our Father in heaven. We recognize your authority and we are going to worship you in the way that you've told us to. I mentioned that I was in band and I, I enjoyed playing trombone. I could get up in front of a crowd. My senior year, I, I did... Uh, a solo with the band. The band just accompanied me. It was all about me. It was all about the Sean Cavender show that night. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't nervous at all. I could get up, I could play that, that horn without any hesitation. But that year I also was in choir. And with choir, I never felt that way. I never felt that good. I had a solo. My, my choir director, she gave me a solo to sing at the last concert of my senior year. And I went to her about two days before. I said, Ms. Hoover, I don't think I can do this. I, I'm too nervous. I'm too nervous. I can't do it. Maybe you've all kind of felt that way when it comes to singing, Right? Sometimes people don't sing because they don't like the sound of their own voice. It makes them feel uncomfortable. They're nervous. They don't want other people to hear them. I went to Miss Hoover and I told her that. And she, Miss Hoover, I was so thankful that she was my choir director because she also was in band. And she had told me, she said, Sean, I've heard you play trombone. It's not nerves when it comes to trombone playing, is it for you? Nope. He said, you can do that any day. She said, you want to know why singing is hard? Singing a solo is hard? She said, you don't get to hide behind that trombone anymore. Because it's only you in your rawest self. Most vulnerable self. That day she taught me a lesson, not just about choir, but I think she was also teaching me something about Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19. We sing with our heart to the Lord. Because God doesn't care about how well we can play an instrument. He cares about our heart and whether our heart is given to Him. That's what God wants. He wants your heart. It's not about the beauty of or the sound of our voice. It's about our heart, our truest, unhidden self expressing praise to the God who created us, to the God who saved us, and to the Lamb who died for us. Our heart is the true instrument. And those are the reasons why we sing. Thank you for your good attention this morning. I appreciate so much.
You have listened well. As Christians, we have been commanded to sing. We have been commanded to give God our heart. We've been commanded to sing praises to our God. Because He is the one who's given us life. He is the one who's given us a voice to magnify and exalt His holy and great name. And we need to sing to express our heart to the Lord. But what we need to ask ourselves also is, are you in a right condition with God? Is your heart and is your life ready to meet the Lord if He were to come in judgment today? If we can help you in some way this morning to become a child of God, be baptized and have your sins washed away. We want to help you do that. Maybe it is that you're a Christian who's not been living faithfully for the Lord and you need prayers of the brethren here. We're here to pray with you and pray for you and encourage you whatever way we can. If we can help you in some way, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?